One thing that athletics and physical pursuits give us is a medium to face these sort of painful, sufferfest experiences and go, oh, how do I want to manage this? What is it I'm learning here? Who do I want to be in moments where I feel sleep deprived and fatigued and, and I'm, I haven't eaten for 14 hours and you know, ran out of water four hours ago? You know, it's like we get to sort of face the music of who we want to be and how we want to walk through the hard moments in life. Jason Hardrath is a runner and mountaineer based in Southern Oregon. He currently holds over 100 records for being the fastest person to complete trails and climb mountains around the country. In fact, in 2021, he broke the record for the fastest known time to summit the 100 tallest peaks in Washington state, known as the Bulger List. Here's the wildest part. It took Jason only 50 days to climb all 100 peaks. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. From September through June, Jason works as a middle school teacher. When summer rolls around, pretty much as soon as the bell rings, he heads outside to pursue some ambitious adventures. Setting records for running and climbing is the perfect outlet for Jason. He's always been an outdoorsy guy, and he needs to be moving pretty much constantly. Jason Hardrath, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. I'm really excited to be here, Shelby. Uh, I've Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Why were the outdoors such a good outlet for you as a kid? Oh, man. Um, I was the little kid that couldn't sit still, uh, the ADHD little kid. Probably you're, if you're imagining that kid that you had in class when you were a kid that was kind of annoying and couldn't sit still and wouldn't listen. That was me. Um, so yeah, the the outlet for that, that I discovered at a very young age was moving my body. And that came in the form of skating as a kid that came in the form of running around in the woods and riding bikes and disappearing all day until, you know, it's dinner time and eventually sports and pursuing increasing levels of uh, accomplishment and, and difficulty in, in the medium of both high school sports and making it on a college team. Um, big part of my journey, for sure. What teams did you play on? Um, so I grew up in a football town. So started off playing football in middle school. And then about halfway through high school, realized like I'd been running track already and kind of discovered running in middle school. And about halfway through high school, kind of had this reckoning where I just felt like I should be running cross country and not playing football, I should be dedicating myself to this thing that I, I really love. And the idea had kind of materialized of like trying to make it onto a college team, which felt like a really aspirational goal for me. So for you, what is it about running that running provided that team sports like football didn't? The, and I think this is what skating before that it held for me too. It's like, it was purely, you show up, and you take your you take your falls to earn your tricks, and it's you and nobody else. Um, and that was really good for me, just to go iteration after iteration after iteration. Um, it was just me and the challenge in front of me. And running quickly became that way, where it's like, okay, the 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 goal that animated me in middle school was I was running like a six twenty mile in the just the PE mile. And I was like, maybe, maybe I can run under six because the previous year, uh, someone, an eighth grader had run 
sub six. And I'm like, maybe I can be the guy. Like maybe I can break six. And just PE mile after PE mile just worked just, you know, to the point of almost vomiting, like trying to get this breakthrough, this mark. And, and the last PE mile of the year just went out hard. And I just remember like my head was spinning and I, like, I, I don't think I'd felt worse pain than that through my whole body at that point in my life as, you know, a little middle schooler. Um, and I just remember like coming across the line and hearing just that the first number that the teacher read was five and none of the rest mattered. It was like, I flopped into the grass and I was in so much pain and like heaving and like head spinning, but it was worth it. And that like solidified this, like, okay, if I'm willing to work really, really hard and aim at something that seems difficult, it's worth it. I love also that PE in school inspired you. I always get really sad when people tell me that they don't have a PE program at their schools because I think physical education is so important for young kids. Like that's how you found it. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a big reason I am. I mean, it's the reason I am a PE teacher today, like is to hand those experiences to kids that set them on fire for a lifetime. It's like that's how I orient everything I do. Um, in the classroom is to provide those initial experiences in different sports and skills. Like I have a, a, a rock wall in my gym. I have skateboards. I have bikes. I take them out and I'll, I'll model. Like they get to walk the corners on the track and jog the straight stretches and I'll run the whole time. But like every single year, about halfway through as the weather's getting warmer, there will be kids that ask, can I just run with you the whole time? Aww. And then they get to have this experience of like, going around the track with me and I'll have a conversation with them. Like, yeah, this is what did it for me. All the successes I've had, the adventures I'm able to go on that I tell you guys and show you pictures of, like it's because I made the choice to do the extra that wasn't required of me. And that to me is like a powerful moment to be able to like share that with a, a young mind and a young spirit. That's so cool. I didn't realize you were a PE teacher, but now this all makes so much sense. Okay, so you ran in college, but how did you become a school teacher? So yeah, uh, ran for Corbin University track and cross country for four years. Um, yeah, and studied education. And actually, you know, looking even further into my past, I, it was in my wiring to instead of being a person that points and laughs when someone can't do something, to instead walk up and be like, let me show you. And so I kind of knew, even by high school, that it's like probably teaching is just in my wiring. Jason became a teacher right out of college. And he's always thinking about how his adventures can inspire his students. In addition to coaching track at school, Jason stayed active by running ultra marathons, and he even qualified for the Ironman World Championships. But when Jason was 25, his entire outlook on life shifted in an instant. He was on his way to a meeting when he got in a terrible car accident. It's something I actually, I still taught K through 12 at that time because it's a small school and they needed me to teach across the grade levels. And so I like literally would talk, I talked when I finally went back, I talked with my students. It's like, it's exactly what I've told you about. People don't tend to have really big, bad things happen just because one bad thing happens all at once. It's because they're a little too tired that day and they're a little stressed out. And then this one thing goes wrong with a coworker and then they forget to do this thing and then the bad thing happens. And sure enough, it was a day where the students had been particularly moody and had to like de-escalate quite a few conflicts. And so that was a bit draining. And then the other track coach didn't show up. So I had to solo coach the entire team. And then I had volunteered to also be 
a spokesperson for my school at, at the district office meeting with the superintendent. And so I wrap up practice and I realize I'm going to be late to this meeting. So like, I'm kind of fatigued, I'm tired, but it's like, let's go, like get in the car, let's get there and try not to be late. And so I'm rushing, driving too fast, forgot to put the seatbelt on. I realize I'm frazzled. So some amount of self-awareness, I'm like, I need to chill out before this meeting so I can actually be composed while I'm there. So I go to plug my phone in to play music. And as I did, caught the shoulder and rolled the vehicle and out I went. Um, so yeah, it was a multitude of little factors that if any one of them had been adjusted, it wouldn't have happened. But because all those little factors were lined up, um, it was a, a major and traumatic uh, kind of life-changing experience. Jason was thrown from the car and sustained multiple severe injuries. He broke his shoulder in two places, shattered nine ribs, his lung collapsed, and there was serious damage to his right knee. It's truly incredible that he even survived. The recovery was brutal, but it gave Jason the opportunity to show up as the resilient person he wanted to be in the world. It was a, you know, kind of one of those, you know, people call them pivots, right? It's, I can still remember one of the first doctors I had, you know, because, you know, the only version of myself I'd known was this person who expressed themselves through physical endeavor through physical accomplishment. And, you know, I brought that up like, oh, I love running. And the doctor's just like, oh yeah, you're probably going to let that part of your life go. And then walks out to go see his next patient. Um, needless to say, didn't stay my doctor very long, but in the moment, like there was this sinking feeling, right? Cause I'm this 25 year old who's in horrible pain. It's the first time my body's ever been dysfunctionally broken. Um, which, you know, like there's, this, you know, this relationship that you have with your body as an athlete, especially if you've never had a debilitating injury where you just sort of believe you can do anything like, oh yeah, I can land on this knee a thousand times and it will always work, um, until you finally have the time that it doesn't. And so this was the first time where it's like, I'm clearly broken. I can't do the things I want to do. And then, you know, this guy in a white coat who looks really official and has this degree says, yeah, you're probably done. Um, and my spirits just sank in that moment. And then, I don't know, it was part defiance and part just my own track record with myself. The agreement I made with myself in that moment was that I would not stop. I was not going to relent until I got back to some version of what I loved. After that accident, you had to get through some mental barriers. What did you do to get through them? And what were the mental barriers that you had to get through? I mean, I, I talked about the first one, um, just kind of facing that initial low and that, that loss of faith, just accepting like, oh, it's done. Time to phone it into the, uh, the finish line or the gravestone, I guess, in this case. Um, and I didn't accept that fate. And then another really big one for me navigating it was I still refer to, even to this day, and I established it at that time, every PR every record or accomplishment or race that I won prior to the car accident, my former life. That guy did some cool stuff. He, he was pretty strong, but he died in that accident. And now this new guy that's alive needs to make himself into something. And that was the clean break I made. And I did that on purpose because, like I said, with the kindergartners and handing them the new exciting thing to do, and they just love it, even though they'll fail a million times, it was like, I knew I needed to be in a headspace where I could celebrate 
every small win. And, you know, even down to like things we take for granted, like, ooh, that's the furthest I've bent my knee. Instead of like being in this framework of like, oh, I'm not running a 250 marathon anymore. Like, that's pathetic, right? Like the self-judgment versus the novelty and celebration of growth. It's like, that's just cutting your legs out from under you every single time. And I knew I would not succeed if every time I was thinking about myself, I was doing that. And another one was a rearrangement of identity, right? Because I think I got into running at a young enough age that it was like, oh, I am a runner. It's like, no, that's what you do. That's not who you are. And being able to instead think of myself as I'm a passionate, driven person, a person who loves a challenge. And the way I express that is through running. For Jason, the car accident was a starting line. As soon as he could walk again, he was walking uphill. From there, Jason started climbing mountains, slowly increasing his endurance, and eventually making a full recovery. The accident happened in the spring of 2015, and that November, Jason climbed Mount Shasta. When we come back, Jason tells us about the world of fastest known times, or FKTs, and he also talks about his own journey to complete the Bulger list. As a guy who is focused on doing hard things fast, it's no surprise that Jason Hardrath has a few fastest known times or FKTs under his belt. An FKT is exactly what it sounds like, the fastest known recorded time to complete an established route, usually by running or hiking. FKTs gained a lot of popularity during the height of the COVID pandemic. Races and events were canceled, but athletes were still looking for ways to compete and push themselves. Jason was into FKTs before they became popular. In 2018, he intentionally started setting as many records as possible. He'd venture around the country, timing his routes as he scaled mountains and ran trails. When he was approaching his 100th fastest known time, he came up with a wild idea to mark the milestone. For his 100th FKT, he decided to climb the 100 tallest peaks in Washington state, known as the Boulder List. Okay, so how did you decide to start doing like FKTs? When did this, when did this moment happen? So yeah, like I said, it was this kind of perfect alignment of I've acquired these new skill sets and interests and the love of nature. And for me, it's always twofold. You know, a lot of people just love to be in the nature for the nature that's outside of them. For me, there's this aspect that to have a full experience, the richest experience I can have, I need to be bringing all of my own nature to whatever nature has to offer. So if you know I'm, I'm climbing a rock route or I'm traversing a glacier, it's like I want to do it the very best my body and mind can possibly do it. You know, being an ADHD person, like my head is all over the place. And when I'm out there pushing hard in technical terrain, it's peaceful and it's quiet. Mm-hmm. It's a sanctuary more than any church I've ever stepped in. And so to get to go have multiple hours in beautiful spaces with a perfectly quiet mind, like that to me, that's the real love, right? Is to be able to be in a, in a state like that with surroundings like that. And so FKTs were just sort of a medium 
an excuse to constantly put myself into new iterations of that experience. And that's why instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to do one really big FKT, it was like, I'm going to do a hundred of these. You messaged me maybe last year or the year before. And basically you had this idea to do a hundred of Washington's tallest peaks. When did you have this idea? So, uh, you know, jump into the, the FKT journey. Um, you know, I'm rattling through these experiences and some people are starting to pay attention, which, you know, originally I just did it for me and it started to have meaning to others. And they started to ask, like, as I'm getting to like FKT 75 and 85 and, you know, 90, especially like at that point, they're like, what are you doing for a hundred? And I was like, I, I'm just playing. Like I hadn't thought like there's going to be something special at the end. It was just going to keep doing the things that I love doing. Right. Cause that was the whole mindset that started it. But that got me thinking like, oh, maybe I should do something like big and epic for number 100 to sort of capstone this journey to 100 FKTs. And that's when I bump into the Bulgers list, which is the name for the 100 tallest peaks in the state of Washington. And it's like, wait, 100 peaks for my 100th FKT. And the thing that just really brought it home is Washington's peaks aren't like Colorado's peaks, where most of them have trails to the top and most of them are, you know, you can just throw on your trail runners and boom, you get to the top. It's like two of them have trails to the top and every other one of them, you're either orienteering, bushwhacking, traveling across glaciers that have crevasses or rock climbing your way to the top or a mixture of all of the above. And so it's like this full on adventure test of everything I'd done in the previous 99 FKTs. And, you know, I'm a school teacher and I, tend to think and frame things in like, okay, what would be the apt final examination of a given, you know, learning unit? And it's like, okay, sure, this learning unit in my life took four years, but a hundred peaks of nonstop movement through terrain like that sounds like a pretty perfect final exam to uh, put, put a close on the uh, journey to 100 FKTs. So when did you actually decide to go? And then what was the preparation like? So that would have happened... The fall of 2020, and then I spent about six months of very serious logistical planning. So yeah, from fall 2020 until I went for it in 2021 in the summer, uh, starting in June, uh, it was all like pretty serious, full-on calls and talking through everything. So basically, I had to build out the entire idea um, so that it was just like push button where it's like, I show up and I know where I'm driving and how many miles I'm doing and how to like fit the pieces together, so to speak. So that if something happens, I know how to change things around. Like, Oh, I'm super blown up from a route that ended up being way harder. Like, okay, I need an easier day. Like what peak would be easier to shift in after that? Um, so I had to like have this deep understanding of a place. I really hadn't spent a lot of time. I'd only ever climbed two of these peaks before. And the other big thing, right? The, the most compelling question about it for me actually because no one had climbed these peaks in a single season the the fastest time anybody had done it was uh 410 days so over a year it taken them over a year and that person was like five years faster than the second fastest time like these were just considered like a lifetime achievement type peak list um and i had the 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 thing that made it compelling right i'm a school teacher the number had to add up to be at least some amount less than the full school summer in order for me to be like, I can pull the trigger on this and go for it. And after a lot of logistical work and these phone calls, it was like, I think the, the number 50 is possible. 
I think if nearly everything goes right and I don't make any mistakes and obviously no fires happen and no routes melt out so that they're unclimbable, like all these different factors could happen. I think 50 days is possible. And so that I set that as my mark to aim for um, from the very beginning was I'm going to go try to do Washington's 100 tallest peaks in 50 days. If you do some simple math, you'll realize that Jason had to double up on peaks. But sometimes he also took a rest day, meaning that occasionally he had to climb five or six mountains in 24 hours. Even though the days were grueling, to Jason it was always worth it. So at the top of the final peak, what did that feel like? Or the bottom of the final peak, when you finally finished, yep. you know, where was the moment you were like, this is so awesome, we did it? So the final moment, I mean, I was looking forward to the final moment through the, <laughs> the whole, uh, I call it like the vo- volcanic victory lap because I put all the volcanoes and that's what I originally started mountaineering on was volcanoes. So it felt like this coming home, like I know how to climb on volcanoes. Okay, let's go. And so pushing through all those, I was looking forward to this final day where it's like, I can push as hard as I want. And like, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Finally, like there's no risk the next day. So it's just like, pour it all out there. And it was Mount St. Helens. Um, I kind of left this, the furthest South volcano of the whole state for the final one and making it to the top. Like that felt pretty good. Cause it's kind of like, okay, like the, project is kind of done but fkts it's from when you leave the first trailhead until you get back to the final trailhead um so the clock was still running so it's like can't stay up here and celebrate and what i realized was i was actually racing for the record to read the 50 days that i'd predicted um and so i get up there i enjoy some moments on the summit and then I just absolutely like gas pedal to the floor, running down the volcanic scree, hopping over rocks just as fast as I can to get back down this mountain. And the moment when I come running in, I just like throw my gear and I let out this scream and, you know, stop the watch. And sure enough, it was, what was the exact time? It was 50 days, 23 hours, 43 minutes, I believe. So like right on the edge of it reading 51 days instead of 50 days um, on the front of the record. For some reason, right, it's silly. Like, what does that mean? But to me, it meant something. And so to be able to have that experience where I got to truly race the clock to finish out this 100 mountain push, it just made the experience so perfect. It sounds so awesome. I mean, congratulations. That's like a huge, huge accomplishment. So you had a couple more days and then you had to start school. I actually had a few, uh, I had a little bit of extra time because like I said, the school summer about 70 days long and I finished in 50 and I basically like getting off to start. It was principal says you can go get in the car, drive to Washington, start the next day. Um, it was that kind of efficiency to get out the door. And so it left me with a little bit of window to sleep for a few days and eat a ton of food. Um, and yeah, kind of reflect on, on what I'd done. And it was, yeah, it was nice to have a, a handful of days to just feel no rush to be anywhere. But the fun part was when I came rolling through the doors to the first PE class, first day of school, a bunch of my students, did you do it? And that, that made it all worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did it. 
Jason's focus on the positive and his resolve to show his students what's possible is just heartwarming. He's not just thinking about his own accomplishments, he's also setting an example for the next generation of adventurers. Jason made a film with Athletic Brewing about completing his 100th FKT called Journey to 100. There's a link to watch it in our show notes, and you can also find the film on YouTube. You can see all of Jason's FKTs at fastestknowntime.com. He has 119 of them. Jason Hardroth is currently climbing 121 peaks in the Rocky Mountains, like right now. Follow him on Instagram. I've been following along. It's absolutely incredible. You can get updates at Jason Hardrath. That's J-A-S-O-N-H-A-R-D-R-A-T-H. I've been following along and it's absolutely inspiring. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, produced by Annie Fassler, Sylvia Thomas, and Sam Piers-Nitzberg of Puddle Creative, and our senior producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paolo Mochila and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow the show, rate it, and write a review wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Did you know that over 100 million people living in the United States don't have outside spaces close to home? That's one in three people across the country without easy access to space where they can enjoy fresh air, have a picnic, or read a book in the shade. Time outside should never be a luxury. REI Co-op is on a mission to get everyone in America outside in five minutes or less, regardless of where we live. Visit REI.com forward slash outside in five to learn more.